Hi guys, I hope you're all keeping well. I know I've been quiet for a while, but I'm on sabbatical at the moment. So I'll be back on the podcast very, very soon. But I wanted to share a message that I gave at one of our young adults sessions at my local church, Borodale Community Church or BCC. The title of the message is Sins and Stones. Sins and Stones. So I hope it blesses you. And if it does, please share it with someone else. And again, don't worry. I will be back soon. Enjoy. Into the book of John. John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. And I will be reading from the New King James Version. Okay, so in this section of John, we will be looking at a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, and we'll be contrasting the character of the scribes and the Pharisees to Jesus' relationship with sinners. Now, an interesting point uh, for those who are, I guess, Bible scholars who enjoy studying the Word. This section of scripture is not actually in the earliest manuscripts in this part of John. It is found sometimes, it's found in, uh, in some manuscripts found in Luke, you know, or, in, or in another part of John. Nevertheless, because of the style of the writing and what it communicates, we can trust that this is actually a piece of writing that was intended for the Bible because it communicates how Jesus interacts with sinners and is consistent with that. So, uh, I will read John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And this is the part I want you guys to to keep if, if there's nothing else that you take from what I present today, please keep this verse in mind. She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, 
neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Okay. So, what we see in verse 2 is that Jesus is in the temple and he is teaching. Now we see that Jesus' popularity is growing in, in this particular region. And it says that people came to him and he sat down and taught him. It shows that Jesus was approachable. Jesus was someone people could come to. And sometimes we have a picture of Jesus that isn't so accurate. Because we assume that when we come to Jesus, he's just going to like strike us with lightning or he's going to deal with us really roughly. But here it shows that Jesus was actually approachable. And I don't know about you, but growing up, sometimes I used to think, because of the way it was communicated to me, that Jesus was a difficult person to deal with and I couldn't come to him. Then we see that in verse 3, <laughs> the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Now, in, at that time, adultery was one of sort of like the big three sins. So the other two were idolatry um, and murder. And so we see that with the religious leaders, they had a ranking for sin. Yet in God's kingdom, sin is sin. Sin has no ranking. And sometimes we tend to rank people's sin and put ourselves on a pedestal, assuming that our sin is okay. But there is no sin that is okay before God. Sin is sin. And so we see that the scribes and Pharisees weren't necessarily bad people. They just didn't know how to apply the law with love and mercy because they were very strict. And so, just an interesting fact for you, it's not just the Ten Commandments that were in the law. There were over 600 commandments that were there at the time. Yet the scribes and Pharisees claimed to uphold those (laughs) commandments to the T. So sometimes in the church, we can tend to be very strict when it comes to the commandments of God. Yet some of those commandments are, in this case, some of them were oral. They were man-made. They weren't from God himself. So we can apply rules and regulations that don't exist, so to speak. So this woman was caught in adultery. And like I mentioned earlier, this was like one of the three big sins um, in terms of the scribes and Pharisees' ranking. And... Just imagine the shame and the fear of this woman. She has been brought into the mist. Now, set her in the mist doesn't really communicate how the religious leaders actually brought her in because at that time, women were not regarded as important. So we can assume that at that time, she was probably dragged into the temple. And so the religious leaders were sort of like party poopers. (laughs) They sort of tried to, you know, wreck Jesus' party, you know. And so we see that they just wanted to use her to find a charge against Jesus. 
as we will see in verse 6. They had no heart for her. There was no love. There was no mercy. They just wanted to get Jesus in trouble, basically. And so with adultery at that time, she was pretty much up for the death penalty because as we see in the Mosaic law, she would have to be stoned for this. And your points of reference, I, I won't go to the scriptures, but if you want to just jot down the, the verses for this, Exodus 20 verse 14, which is part of the Ten Commandments and says you cannot commit adultery. Uh, Deuteronomy 22 verse 22 to 24 and Leviticus 20 verse 10. But here's the problem. When we read in verse 4 and 5 that they brought a woman caught in adultery and set her in their midst. One question we have to ask ourselves is this. Where was the dude? (laughs) Where was the guy? Because for this law to be applied, the execution of the woman would also require the execution of the man. Therefore, we can see in this incident that the religious leaders were hypocrites. And there's a point that we should reflect on that we must be careful when we want to use the Bible to call someone out for their sin. Because if we're not going to apply it completely, then we shouldn't apply it at all. We must be careful about how we apply the word of God. Especially when someone is in a state of shame or feeling scared or not too sure about what's going on. Come in. So in, no, it's okay. in verse 6, it says that this they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Now, what could they have accused him for? Well, here's the conundrum that Jesus supposedly has, because this is Jesus, right? He gets himself into tricky situations. Um, Jesus said, if Jesus had said, that the woman should not be stoned, they could charge him for breaking the Mosaic law. If he said she should be stoned, he would have lost the support of the common people who believed that he was a friend of sinners, right? So, additionally, he might have have been in trouble with the Roman authorities because at that time, Rome was like ruling the, the whole place. And they had taken capital punishment away from the Jews. So he would have been in trouble with the Roman authorities if he had said that she should be stoned. Then we then see that instead of answering the accusations of the religious leaders, Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Now the question is, What did Jesus write on the ground? No one really knows. People speculate. And if God wanted us to know what Jesus wrote, then he would have inspired John to write that down for us. (laughs) But here's something interesting. The word that's used, the Greek word used for wrote on the ground, is an 
excuse my pronunciation, katagraphene, which means to write an accusation against someone. Now we know that Jesus knew the hearts of all men. Jesus knew everything. He was God in human flesh. Therefore, although we don't know what exactly he wrote, we can assume that he may have written some sort of accusation towards the religious leaders to show them that, listen, you might be trying to get me in my words, but I know everything about you. And another thing I want you to draw attention to is Jesus' posture. Here, he stoops to the ground. Now, we, we can assume that because this woman is full of shame and is full of fear, there's no way she's standing in the midst of these people, right? She's probably on the ground. And so, this shows us Jesus' posture of lowliness. It shows us that in an environment of hostility, Jesus wants to come down at your level. I don't know what you might be going through. I don't know what shame you might be carrying. But Jesus wants to meet you where you are. He was identifying with the woman in her lowly, shame-filled position. And so when we try to throw the Bible around and try to speak over someone who has found themselves in a compromising situation, we are not showing the same posture that Jesus showed. Because Jesus was lowly. He stooped down. Then in verse 7, apparently whatever he was writing might have not actually affected these guys because it says they continued asking him. They continued pushing him. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Not only did Jesus go down into a lowly position, he also stood up to face the accusers. May I encourage you by saying that you don't have to face the accusations of people alone. People don't know what you've gone through. People don't know what compromising situations you've been in and they don't know how you got there. But Jesus wants to stand up for you, even in your lowly position. Now, we aren't sure if the religious leaders were witnesses to the adultery. But in Deuteronomy 17, verse 7, it says that the hands of the witnesses shall be the first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hands of all the people. So, if any of the witnesses, or any of these guys were witnesses to this offense, then they would throw the first stone. But we see that in verse 7, Jesus said, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. This was a complete sort of change of mindset because Jesus shifted from the requirements of the law to a spiritual issue. Because sin is a spiritual issue. He focused on whether any of them were without sin. 
which is a higher standard to the law. The Greek word used for sin here is anamatetos, which can be translated one who has not sinned or one who cannot sin. And I'm sure all of us can agree in this room that (laughs) none of us are without sin. (laughs) None of us... (laughs) (laughs) of sin so there is something here which we need to consider as we get to this verse just reflecting on the verses beforehand self-righteousness can blind us from our own sin the religious leaders weren't even remotely aware of their sin in this moment they were more focused on trying to get Jesus in trouble and bringing shame to this woman. And sometimes we allow self-righteousness to blind us from our own sin. So Jesus' challenge poses a question for each and every one of us, including myself. Are we aware of our own sin? Are we also aware that there is no ranking to sin? 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 to 10 in the New Living Translation says, Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive, or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. There is no rank, there is just sin. Then we see in verse 9, that those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. Now, This translation doesn't really help when it comes to the section where it says um, beginning with the oldest even to the last. So the Greek word for the oldest is presbyteros, which is often translated elder. So the idea is there were elder scribes and Pharisees as well as the younger scribes and Pharisees. So just imagine having like mentors like these who are not able to show love, mercy and forgiveness when those things are required but are so strict and so focused on the law rather than love. So the more experienced ones among the scribes and Pharisees begin the retreat right down to the more inexperienced ones. Their retreat shows us that they've acknowledged their guilt. And it also shows that shows us that it's important to seek counsel from people who are not just strict on the law. We need people who have love, who are able to apply the law when necessary, but with love. Mm-hmm. Then we see that Jesus and the woman are alone, one-on-one. And... Here in verse 10, 
When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he cast the first stone. He condemned her. I don't know about you, but that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says that when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? What's interesting is that Jesus said in verse 7 that he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. The only person in that place who was without sin was Jesus. The woman was standing face to face with the one who could have condemned her and thrown the first stone. But that's not what Jesus did. In verse 11, she said, No one, Lord, no one has condemned me. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now I know that is a word for someone in this room. Because so often we are faced with thoughts of condemnation because of the compromising situations we find ourselves in. We think that we can't get out of it. And we think that if I bring this to Jesus, then he's just going to cast me away. But we see here a mixture of grace when he says, neither do I condemn you, but a challenge as well to repent because he did say, go and sin no more. Jesus didn't let her off the hook. He acknowledged that what she did was sin. And Jesus was always in the business of telling people the truth. And sometimes the truth is difficult to hear. But we need to hear the truth. Not only did he tell the truth, but he told it in love. He didn't say some crude joke about her being an adulteress. But he was compassionate. This also is a picture of salvation. Because this lady passed on from a death sentence into the possibility of a new life. On the cross, Jesus would receive the penalty for her sin. Therefore, he had every right to extend love, forgiveness, and mercy to this woman. So, when someone has been dealt a blow from being in the streets, Are we going to fuel the fire, throw stones and condemn them to death? Or are we going to show them grace and mercy? We don't have the power to take their sin upon ourselves. But we know someone who can. Back in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, in verse 11, now I'm using the New King James Version. It says, so remember in verse 10, it said that those who indulge in these sexual sins, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. 
Verse 11 says, And such were some of you. Some of us were in sin. Some of us couldn't get out of it. We had no way out. And the wrath of God was upon us. So some of us were in this situation. So it's important when we're dealing with someone who may be going through a compromising situation to remember that we were there too. It might not be the same thing, but we were in that situation at some point. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In conclusion, I just want to say this. I'm sorry if you have had religious leaders or people in the church who have condemned you for your sin. Just keep that one in, you know. For, <laughs> don't crop it out, don't, don't crop it out. So, as I was saying, I'm sorry if you've had religious leaders or religious people condemn you for your sin. Such moments actually build the case for why believers and non believers alike might never enter the church because of a lack of love grace and mercy for sinners. If you're in the category of someone who may have cast a stone at someone for their sin, Jesus doesn't want you to walk away. We notice that in verse 9, when the religious leaders were convicted by their conscience, they walked away. But Jesus hadn't said that you should walk away. Conviction is not supposed to take us away from Jesus. Conviction should bring us closer to him. And then when we look at the challenge to go and sin no more, I mean, I don't know about you, but that sounds really daunting. Because we all struggle with the ability to live a sinless life. For your reference, um, Romans 7, verse 15 to 20, Paul is talking about how there's the good that he desires to do and the evil which he doesn't desire to do. But unfortunately, he practices it because of the sin which dwells in him. But you see, Paul didn't live in fear of condemnation. Why? Because as he wrote in Romans 8 verse 1 and this is from the Amplified amplified Version, sorry, so that you can get the full gist of what he has said. (laughs) Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. So like I said, I don't know what sin you are dealing with in your life. 
I don't know your belief system, but all I know is that the best place to be is in Jesus. Because there is no condemnation for you. You may be struggling with a sin that has been going on for a while. Just keep telling yourself that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All right. So that's all I have for you today.